As we look at the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith, we're going to look at a bunch of different ways we can fight evil. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. reading is from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. This is the word of the Lord. So we're pivoting. I'm pivoting. We're moving. We're kind of pivoting right here. We've been in John for quite a while. We will be in John for quite a while to come in the book of John. But I'm pivoting here into, guess what? Spiritual warfare. We're going to call the invisible war. And this is kind of your locus, this is your classical text. This is the text that is everybody will quote or turn to if we're going to talk about this subject. And what we're going to do, all the way down for another, another five or six verses past this, we are going to, we're going to take our time excavating this. I, I, I want us to, to, to focus on this and, and see what we can get out of it. And, 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 but I'm a little bit, I'm a little gun shy. Spiritual warfare, I'm gun shy. <laughs> anyway, I'm a little gun shy because, because I, I really don't know how, I don't really don't know at what level I'm going to connect with you. And what I mean by that is that uh, I, I wonder, or, so first of all, there's a lot of baggage in the room. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard about spiritual warfare of some sort. And it, there's, it's weird. There's a lot of weirdness in Christianity about this. Maybe, maybe you've heard about it and you tend to, you're a little bit embarrassed by it. I, uh, I, I, um, I don't know. Uh, actually, let me, let me go, let me go a little further. Uh, Christian supernaturalism seems to divide itself into two different groups that I, my experience, uh, there's the people that are embarrassed about our spirituality and people who have an embarrassing spirituality. <laughs> do, 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 do you catch what I'm talking about here? People are embarrassed about their spirituality. I think a lot of Christians uh, sit here, especially, and this is a, a little little nod of the hat here. Uh, I, I had to get my master's degree and, and things like that to, 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 in order to preach and teach in my tradition. And I had to be educated to do so. Uh, but uh, when you're in that academic track, uh, there's a lot of pressure and you see your professors talk about it. Et cetera, and what the pressure is, if you want to be taken seriously as an academic, let's say, and you talk about the devil fighting people, Oh, that's a little bit, that's a little bit odd. Or that's a little rustic, or that's a little simplistic, or maybe that's that simply isn't the territory or the ground upon which intellectuals try to talk about the gospel, right? We don't talk about spiritual warfare because uh, most 
Christians are kind of embarrassed. This is a classic evangelical and modern attitude. In fact, if we kind of excavated it, it might be like what we looked at last week, a moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's the core of the Christian faith in America today. In other words, it's not too spiritual. I, I, I'll give you an example. There was a, a Southern gentleman. <laughs> he, he really, one of the most successful men I've ever met. And he had grew up, growing up in the South, growing up in the church. He was a Presbyterian elder, an elegant man, uh, beautiful family. I would often see him when I was coming back from church, leaving his apartment with his family dressed to go to church, but they weren't going to church. They were going to lunch. But in, but in Atlanta, when you are powerful and successful and a leader, you always look like you were at church on a Sunday, right? So nobody would ask you at brunch, what are you doing? And I remember he looked at me and he said, Chris, you know, I like you. I like you a lot. I'd like you to be successful. I was planning a church there. And he said, but you know, if you could dial down the Jesus thing a little and the spiritual, if you could dial that back, I think you'd really be successful. All of a sudden, I felt like I was walking down Peachtree Street with the devil. It was weird. I'll never, and I remember thinking, is this, what is it? And I remember wanting exactly what he was describing, though. Wanting that authenticity, or wanting that uh, 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 intellectual uh, integrity, or whatever it is, or or reputation. But this, it's soft pedals for legitimacy. So let's say, you're, let's say you're an academic and you're studying the book of Matthew. This is a classic one. And in Matthew 23 is a detailed description of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Bam, bam, every stone removed. Well, if you're a legitimate, a legitimate academic, you're going to claim that Matthew was written after those events, right? Because if it's before, well, that's telling the future, and that can't happen. There is an enormous pressure on academics. If you are in the academy today, and you are getting your degree from Oxford, and you claim that Matthew was written before the events, in other words, it was an actual prophetic description or prophetic prediction of what was going to happen, people would laugh at you. This so uh, it's soft peddling for legitimacy and the trying to live in two, two worlds. And maybe, honestly, maybe this is some of us. You're kind of half a Christian. You got to kind of got like a Christian head and a Christian perspective. And maybe you do think maybe about spiritual warfare or the idea that there's the angelic, the demonic. Maybe it's there. But when you're at work or when you're in the world or where you're, where you're, where you got to work, where you got to be, when you got to be at a meeting, whatever, when you're dealing with the real stuff, you don't think about those things. Those things are not the data by which you compute or figure out your future or your life or your pain or diagnose yourself or, or understand. You, you don't, and we tend to live in two worlds. And we, and we tend to, and, and, and with this, this, this can drive us crazy. But I think a lot of us are guilty of an embarrassed spirituality. But then there's the worst, maybe part of what we're embarrassed by is this group. An embarrassing spirituality. Are you familiar with this? An embarrassing spirituality. And I, and I described this uh, briefly, uh, but there's a, there's a church here in town that, where people are, are laying down on top of graves in order to suck the souls of the dead. That's just crazy, guys. That's loony. 
It's not in the scriptures. It's not in the Bible. It has nothing to do with it. But what it is, these are charismatic traditions where they have a triumphalistic attitude that we are here to win. We're here to win. We're going to go out and win. And it's, a, it's almost like uh, the Christianity is like a massive football game all the time. And we're always talking about how we're taking it into the end zone for Jesus against spiritual powers. If you, if you think I'm exaggerating, you have not been to these churches then. In fact, I'm not even giving you the half of it. What is the guide in this world? This embarrassing spirituality uh, experiences our guide. Uh, if it feels good, that's a guarantee that the Holy Spirit must be in there because I felt so good when I laid on hands or whatever I did in order to, in order to manifest and claim my spiritual power in this world. And all they're concerned about is mapping out a spiritual world that we can learn to navigate and understand and control. I'm not, I'm not one of either one of these. I want an unembarrassed supernaturalism because that's what Christ teaches. Well, I don't know if you, uh, so I, I brought the gate here. Uh, what does Christ teach? What, what, what is the biblical perspective? It's not the, it's neither one of those previous ones we just looked at, but it believes in a two story reality. In other words, reality is comprised of two dimensions, if you want to put it that way, uh, two levels in the universe. God himself is outside of the universe, space and time, heaven or hell or the universe or galaxies. But this view of the world, this single story view, this is what most people believe in. And the reason I'm putting it up here is for two, I have two reasons for putting this up here like this. One, I want, if you, if you believe in a one story universe, I want you to understand how different what we believe is. <laughs> if you came in here this morning and I say you came from, this is all we can do is what science has. Well, I want you to understand exactly why I disagree with you and how much I disagree with you. Is that fair? All right, just make it really clear. I disagree with your entire view of the world. I think the way you look at the world is handicapped. The way you've looked at the world is, 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 uh, is, is, so, is so small, it can't account for reality. This is the world that Christ describes. This is the world this biblical, the scriptures live in. This is reality. And Unless, and one of the reasons I begin here is, is unbearable spirit supernaturals, and I kind of want to put it out there, is I want you to, first, just, if you love the people around you, you love the people you work, and people you live with, I want you to understand they don't look at the world the way you do. And you need to be patient with people who don't get, who don't get this structure. You see, people who live in this world here, in the very limited scientific world, let's say, and let's say uh, something like what happened to Stephanie's family, where Stephanie's friends of her family, uh, they had a murder-suicide of a father and a son. That just happened in the last couple of weeks. It's awful, horrible, right? And these horrible, horrible, horrible things happen in here. Now, if you live in this world, this is just maddening. It doesn't make any sense. Why is the world so violent? Why do people hate so deeply? Why, what, what would compel a father to kill his own son at the age of eight years old? And what, what, what would, where does this come from? What is going on? And the people who live in this limited view of reality cannot understand the demonic or the angelic or have hope or perspective. And the reason I'm bringing this out there is you have been given a gift and that is a new, uh, an extra insight that makes this insane world make some sense. Do you get that? Do you realize how valuable that is? 
You have been given a gift. It is simply a perspective that other people around you don't have. They are locked inside this world. And that means that the reason there's Sandy Hook or there's some insanity, that that is all coming from us. And we've got to fix it, right? Maybe it's education. Maybe it's a social program. Maybe it's, maybe it's socialism. Maybe we need gun control. And so you watch. And it's interesting to watch this because Sandy Hook was one of the strongest for me. You'll watch them reporting on it. You'll watch the pundits. You'll watch people with opinions. You'll watch Fox News or CNN or whatever it is your poison is. And they never use the word evil. Never know sin. They never will describe an act as he, even though you would think that that would be a no-brainer. Why can't you just call that evil? Why can't you just say, that's evil? Oh, we don't want to make a judgment. Or, oh, no, because we are no longer living in a world where evil is real. You see, this worldview doesn't believe in evil. This worldview makes sense of evil. It includes it in its worldview and gives you an account for it. And it makes sense. You have something so powerful in the way God has given you the world. You forget how powerful it is. You also forget how different. <laughs> and I guess this is one of what I wanted to find out. It's just so different. And now let's look a little bit at this. Uh, this is actually what we believe that there are. And, and, and by the way, we don't know a lot about it, but what we do know, let's look into it. And as we, as we expand on this text right here, as Ephesians 6 opens to us, I hope in the weeks to come, we are going to learn more and more about what these rulers, uh, this is a great, this, you know, this word here is, is cosmocrats. <laughs> Isn't that great? A cosmocrat. Uh, this is it, cosmocrats. That's right, cosmic powers. The cosmocrats, I love that. Uh, the spiritual force. And that there's an idea that there is, that you even get the sense of hierarchy, of a reality, of something. Wow. Wow. Christian supernaturalism is our reality. I want to pull up my notes here because there's something I wanted to say about this, but I can't remember what it was. And... There it is. Yes. Now, why, why, is, why is this so different? Well, oh gosh, sorry. There. Why are they so different? Well, they're coming from different data sets and moving with different assumptions. So what is the limited scientific view? It says if I can't see it, taste it, feel it, touch it, bang it, bite it, kick it, it ain't real. We don't believe that. What do we believe is real? What God has revealed, we have in our possession a different data set that creates different assumptions. So we actually come to the world in such a remarkably different way that there's almost no meaning place between these two views. These views wind up excluding each other. Can you see that? They wind up really not living in the same world. They wind up being blind to one another at times as to what the other really even thinks because they live in such separate places. They they use different data, and they come with different assumptions. So what's the result? They have a different conclusion. And, if and you, what you, one of the things you'll see here, one of the reasons I want to keep pushing this on you, is so you can start to excavate. You can start to look inside. We can do it together. Where are our assumptions? In other words, sometimes we'll talk like we're material, we're like over here, and sometimes we'll talk like we're over here. Well, we need to correct that, don't we? We need to correct our thinking so we can put our assumptions and our conclusions in line with what God has told us. And that's our data. That's our data set. We have the words of the God of love. Praise him. Christian supernaturalism. 
Uh, now, I, I, I understand this. This is a, I, I, you know, we live here. Uh, it, look, look here. Look, I want to give you an example. We live here, guys. Read the, let's go to the very end of worship. Go to the end of worship. This is where Christ wants us to live. Look at the doxology. Where, all right, that's, there's, there's all these postures that are in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Where's that, where's that looking? Right to God, right? Praise him, all creatures here below. Where is that looking? All around. You, you see, when we sing this, we are commanding everybody around us to praise. We're commanding plants, animals. When my puppy was here, he was being commanded. We are being commanded. Praise him, all creatures here below. Then what does it say next? Praise him above. Yeah. So what's the next perspective? It looks up. You see, it looks up. It looks here at the universe, stars, galaxies, planets, and physics and says, you all praise God. And then it looks up here in the last, you heavenly hosts, you praise God. Now, there's a couple things going on here. First of all, isn't it kind of remarkable that you get to tell the galaxies to praise God? You do. You know what's even more remarkable? You get to tell angels to praise God. Yes, you do. And she, that's part of that place that God puts us in his love. This is privileged place of position of love he puts us in. Praise him. And our two, in this different version of reality now, that is no longer embarrassed or embarrassing. We have an unembarrassed supernaturalism that now make, we can look at, our, look, look at, our, look at this differently. Now we, now we can see something. Now what I'm going to do is, as we look at the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith, we're going to look at a bunch of different ways we can fight evil. And we're going to excavate all those and look at all because they're beautiful. And actually, they're all about God as a warrior. They're all God's armor. Did you know that? These are all things that God wears in the Bible. We'll look at why that's so important in a little bit. But, uh, but what I wanted you to see here, or I want you to, to, to uh, make sense of one tactic here. Baudelaire said this, and this was, that was a long time ago, that Satan's best tactic was to convince people that he wasn't real. And I, you know, I'd always heard that. I always thought that sounded kind of hokey. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, sure. Yeah. Think about how brilliant that is. Think about how smart it would be if you, wanted to, if you wanted to attack somebody, and in order to begin the attack, you convinced them that you weren't even real. In fact, as I was thinking about the genius of this, the genius of camouflaging yourself, of, of convincing the world, almost, you could almost say that, this, that the devil lacks an ego <laughs> because he doesn't need to be celebrated. He doesn't need to be believed in to be successful. In fact, he's more successful as he's not believed in. He is more triumphant, more able, more able to attack, more able to wage war without any opposition. And then as I was thinking about it, it made even more sense to me. I've been watching the show Lucifer. You ever watch this? It was, uh, it was actually a pretty good show. It's actually kind of fun. It's pretty entertaining. And, and actually, its vision of Satan is based on the uh, Greek mythos. It's based on Satan and God are like brothers. He's God's son, and he and Jesus are brothers. Or I don't know, something stupid. It's insane, right? It's just dumb. But get this. Satan in that, at least he's good looking, which is, by the way, something the scriptures do tell us. Satan will appear as an angel of light. Uh, it gets that right, but it occurred to me that, yeah, but he's so likable. And I'm watching the show, and I like, he's the hero. 
And I'm watching this and I'm a minister of the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of like, I, I like this. That's, but you see what's going on there. Even I, we all can get distracted and, 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 and get off our game and forget that this is about blood earnest death and life struggles against evil. And of course, what, a, what, an, what an amazing PR team he must have. Either delude people that you're not real or make up a comic version that nobody would take seriously anyway. Hooves in a tail. Do you know where the hooves and tail comes from, by the way? It's a mistranslation of the word for wild goat in the Old Testament. And it was translated satyr in one of the, uh, in one of, in one of the translations. Well, you know what a satyr is? It's a little demon, a little goat demon. And that translation created the cloven hoof tailed horned devil. That's where it comes from. It was a confusion of, 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 uh, of actual translations. This is what the scriptures teach. The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Listen to the word of God. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Listen to the word of God in the end. In Revelation 20, Christ is described here. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. The scriptures are unembarrassed in their supernaturalism. I wanted to begin here with the we. By the way, everything in this passage is plural. Every you is in the second person plural. This is to a community, about a community. And that's essential here. But I wanted to focus on that we. Because it means you. There's something about this, and the way Paul talks, and the way he includes it, it's almost to say, nobody, nobody is exempt from the reality of imminent spiritual warfare. And as I was kind of reading, and as this, the we just kept getting bigger and bigger in my mind and heart, because I realized how often this happens. I think people think that pastors have greater spiritual battles than they do. I think they, people are often deluded into thinking, you know, I have to deal with Satan more than you do, or I have to deal with demonic or evil or some sort. That is not true. And in fact, what that does is it creates laziness and a sense of, a sense of unpreparedness and a lack of watchfulness amongst the people of God, for they do not hear the we. Nobody is excluded. i tell you something. I, I've done this before. I remember thinking, uh, why would the devil bother with me? I'm nobody. You know what that is? That's called false humility. Oh, I am nobody, but I have Christ. Therefore, I have all things. And my, that statement itself was not a statement that accurately reflect real sport, spiritual warfare. And what I'd done is, and what I'd done by saying it, I was not living in that we. And, 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 and what that threat means, and what that means right now for you. Melody, you could be in spiritual conflict right now, right as we're sitting here. That's what it means. We, all of us, have to face this crisis. That's, it's just period. Um, let me give you an example. All right, here, let me tell you a little joke that, that I think sadly reflects on ministry. So um, a pig and a chicken were good friends. And a pig and a chicken were, they've been good friends for years, and they decided they were going to open a restaurant. 
Yeah, the pig and the chicken are going to open a restaurant. And they, fall, they both love breakfast, so they're going to open a, a breakfast place. And the chicken was so excited, he goes, I can't wait. We should call it ham and eggs. And the pig got sad. He goes, you know, I'm not really interested. And the chicken said, well, why not? Well, you'd certainly be giving something, but I'm the one that's really committed. (laughs) Do we have a ham and chicken situation? Am I the only one with skin in the game when it comes to spiritual warfare? No, I am not. What I'm telling you is is that there is a way of reading some of the things that are going in your life and around you, and there is as much at stake for you. Your ham is on the fryer crew too, trust me. Our enemy wants to cook you as much as he wants to cook me. And, and there's a certain union that we have. And I want to go even further than this. I want you to hear the we deep in your heart. Because I think only we stand together. We only stand together. And we only stand with each other. I, I get it. You've got to hear this. I have only perceived spiritual warfare around me when friends have identified it for me. I don't know why that, maybe that won't be true for you. But I think for a number of us, it, when we're in fighting, we're in there and, we're, and we've got all the anxieties and fears and difficulties and doubts of the day, it's very, very difficult for us to get perspective on them and see them. And God will bring, and this is something that I think God is going to bring you to my life and to one another's lives this way, identify for each other spiritual conflict. That's what Paul's doing for these people. He's identifying it for them. He's giving them that gift. Do you do that for others? I'm serious. Ta- start naming the spiritual warfare you see around you, and I hope we'll be able to see it as we go through these texts more and more, because we'll see Satan's tactics for what they are. But this is how we speak in. It's we. It's all we. And we will stand. And all these, all these commandments to stand or to put on the armor are not to individuals. They're to us as a group. <sighs> Keep pulling at this. The we stands together and falls together, doesn't it? How am I supposed to put on my armor, Gina? Well, you're supposed to be hoisting the breastplate on and you're supposed to tell me to pick up my shield and somebody else is telling me to ask me if I sharpen my sword and somebody else is telling me, you know, Satan is after you. Get, wake up. <sighs> Look, this is a different perspective on the universe. I know some of you, if some of you don't believe in spirituality, everything I'm saying sounds like nonsense. I get that. But uh, when Bob Warner, for many years, I struggled with uh, thoughts of suicide. And uh, they, would, they, would, they would reach a crescendo. And uh, I could, my, mother, my mother said I would never commit suicide because I was far too vain. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad somebody laughed. Uh, and I always thought there was something wise about that, uh, what my mom was saying. But I, I don't know what to do. I was so scared. I was scared. It was in Atlanta. And uh, it was just one brother saying, what if that voice in your mind and heart isn't you? What if, that is, what if those are demonic voices? Are you, have you thought that you're in spiritual warfare? It was like somebody flipped a switch on in a dark room. I started praying, not just, I started praying spiritual warfare kind of prayer. Like, Father, help me. I don't want to hear these voices anymore. And guess what happened? They disappeared. One of, the, one, of the, uh, one of the lies 
of this one story universe is that every thought you've ever had only came from you or from somebody who spoke it to you. It only comes from the, but only in the two story universe do the voices in your head make sense. It's we. And we are fighting a personal fight. What's the word? It's only used here in the New Testament. All the Bible is the only place it's used. It's the only place it's Greek for Jews. This is it. And it's wrestling. You know, I, I think this is one of the wisest things that Tim Keller ever said. And it's very, very wise. And, it, and, and it, you know what it pointed out to me when Tim said it? It pointed to me that a man who had been through real warfare. This is what he said. A lot of people like the idea of fighting evil with a, with a, with a, with a sniper rifle, right? Maybe, maybe you could do it. Maybe that'd be a, that's why I should do podcasts. That's a great, you know what I mean? To stand, get out of the fray, be distant, get it and shoot that evil. Just shoot it, shoot it wherever. Oh, there it is. Oh yeah, I'm going to, but that, this demonic fight's never like that. Paul knows that. Paul knows it because he bears in his body the wounds of the hatred of Satan. And if you don't know that, you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't recognize him. It's wrestling. It's intimate. It's face-to-face. You are never in a fight with some abstract evil. You are in a gritty, toe-to-toe, I want to do this bad thing. You know you shouldn't do it. How many of you have had this conversation with yourself? How many of you have had that exact conversation? I really want to do this. You know, you really shouldn't. It's going to destroy everything. I'm going to do it anyway. What is going on? What are the dynamics here? What, what is happening? It's wrestling. And, and until you can get that, you're going to be, you're, 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 we're constantly taken by surprise. And as we look at all the pieces of armor, we're going to see a lot of, cri- of, of Satan's strategies. But listen to this. Every one of his strategies is getting into your personal business, your personal space, your personal desires, your personal dreams, and using those. It's all personal. And it's all about personally destroying you. This isn't a game. This is malevolence, intelligent and pure, pure, intelligent evil. And it's a personal fight. But we wrestle. Do you hear it? And I want to keep going back to this. We wrestle. You know, brother, you're not wrestling alone. We're not alone in this. We've got it. We, and I, 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 I am so, look, I'm telling you that I have struggled with a voice in my mind telling me that you should kill yourself. And I bet, I wonder, this man right here, I told this man about it. I told, told him about it. And he punched me. As hard as he could, right in the chest. Not as hard as he could, I imagine. It hurt. <laughs> but his father struggled with it. Does anybody know what you're struggling with? Or are you keeping all your, all your fights to yourself? If you are, then you are not a part of this battle because Paul wants to conscript us to be battling together, standing together, wrestling with together because it's hard. And it's a mighty battle has been encountered. And a mighty battle is upon us. And we cannot see it. It's an invisible war. And half the people around us don't believe it. And we sometimes don't even believe it ourselves. <laughs> and we are wounded and scattered and divided and afraid so often when we don't need to be. We're being invited into what? What's, what are we being invited into here? 
You know, you know what's funny about this is that I think I have been successful against spiritual warfare over and over again in my life. Do you know why? Because and many of you have too. Because it's so just beautifully simple. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Do you know what I hear? <laughs> it's all going back to the gospel. Why did God love you? Because he just wanted to. Did you earn your salvation? Did you work at it? Did you earn it? Did you work at it? Did you fight? Was it your power that saved you? No. 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 God walks in this world and looks at men and women with love and just brings them in free. He saves the ruined. He cleans the filthy like me. He rests. He's, he's doing work all over. the. And it's, don't you see that verse 10, Paul's telling you, go back to where you started. The power of Jesus saves. Stand in your, stand in your forgiveness. Stand in it because by standing on the rock of a love that is just amazingly saves, amazingly rescues, what are, you, what are you returning to? You're returning to the power of God. You know what's funny? Young Christians often fight the devil very, very well. You know why? Because they're still excited about their faith. And what are they actually doing? They're just being strong in the Lord because they're believing the gospel, good news about sinners from a God of love. And that trumps Satan. It destroys his works. It unsettles them. He, he cannot fight it. How can he fight me? When I, how can he, what would he say? Chris, you're a loser. You're a failure. You're a, you're, you. Amen. And Jesus loves me. He's forgiven me. I have his love. I am strong. Even if I'm so weak, I can't. It doesn't matter. Be strong in the Lord. What is the return to is the simple blessedness of your salvation. Well, you know what it is? Do you know, you know what's funny? Look, I am constantly trying to get you all to go to church. And I know so many of you I probably think that that's just my own self-aggrandizing. Sure, I want you to go to this church. Sure, why not? But, but all right, then go somewhere else. But go. Why? Because when you go, what are we doing? We the crackers. Oh yeah. What is this? It's saying I am strong only in the Lord. I am strong only in his provision. I am strong only when he is in me. I am strong only because of his sacrifice. I am strong only because of his blood. I am. What am I doing right there? I'm standing in the good news of the gospel. I'm standing in Jesus and Satan has no power. <laughs> We're going to find, you know, with that belt of truth, the shield of it, they're all different ways of teaching us how to grab God's love and own it for ourselves and own it against an evil attack. Because guess what? The day's coming. What, what is right here? Take up the whole armor that you may be able to what? Anybody have one of these yet? Anybody ever, you ever wake up to one of these? You can tell from the right, I mean, from the moment you wake up, it's going to be one of these. Anybody having a lot of these lately? The evil day is always coming. That test is always coming for you at work. It's always coming for you in wherever you're in your marriage. Where it's always coming. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to knock you down. 
And we're going to look at that standing next week. What does it mean to stand? Because after it's done all, I want to be standing with you, (laughs) standing with you, lifting high the cross, standing with you, lifting high my Savior to this city because he is the victor. He is the triumphant one. He is the pantocrator. He is the ruler of all, not the cosmocrators. He is the pantocrator. He is the Lord of all space and time. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I think I had some. Let's see here. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, uh, you guys ever watch the IT crowd? Anybody ever watch that show? It's a phenomenal show. It's a comedy show. And, uh, but they have this big joke. They're IT for this big company. And uh, I know that you've seen it. You've got to have seen it. No? No, Jack, you got to hear this. It's a British show. But they have a little tape recorder. I think it's a tape recorder. When anybody ever calls down for IT help, they push a little button and this little tape recorder plays. And tape recorder says, have you turned it off and on? Is it plugged in? <laughs> like, and they just play the recorder because 99.9% of all the problems IT gets are what? It's not plugged in. It's not an exact, it happens all the time. My computer doesn't work. Is it plugged in? You know, you could almost get that simple about Christian warfare. Because every single person that comes to me discouraged, uh, just despairing, suffering under a weight of sin and judgment and guilt, a sense of failure of the family, your children, your church. What am I going to do? These people, people, all of us despair come to me all the time. And you know what often is the problem? They're just unplugged from Jesus. They're just unplugged from the fount. They're unplugged from a central connection to the love of God on that cross where Jesus died for sinners like you and me. And we plug into that every week in this communion. And that's why every week I'm calling you to new faith in Christ because when you put your faith in Christ and when when you are finally focused on his love, then guess what? Mighty power is surging through you and you are standing in the power of Jesus. And guess what? And the evil day comes, you'll be able to stand. And all I want to do to train you in spiritual warfare is how to more deeply access the joy you have in Jesus against all of the schemes, and there are lots of them, of the devil. Let's pray. So, Father, I hope that this message would have helped some people uh, and uh, encouraged some. Uh, we, we, we do want to see an end to this, uh, this evil creature's power in this world. Uh, we look, I look around me, I, it feels like uh, it's dark days indeed. It's like evil days are one right after another sometimes. But Father, we don't lose hope because you triumphed over, over darkness through the cross. You triumphed when, when evil looked like it had won. <laughs> you triumphed over me the same way triumphed over us. Father, uh, help us to adopt a vision and a view of the universe that is like the one you give us. And we repent. We turn away from how we look at the world and we, we tr- teach us to trust the way you tell us the world really is. And then, since you've told us the way the world really is, help us, we, together, to wrestle. Because Father, some of us are just getting beaten up badly by life right now. And we feel harassed or we feel afraid or we feel despairing, or worse, we just don't know what to do. Father, 
I want to stand with my brothers and sisters and I want them to stand with me so we can, we can wrestle against this. Because it's not against flesh and blood. It's against something much more mysterious, powerful, and terrifying than that. But you, you, you have the strength. You have the power. Yours is the kingdom. And we come to you in Jesus. Amen. Amen. On the night our Savior was betrayed, he was betrayed this night, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Take ooh, and eat. In the same way, he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. This is a table of love. This is a table that's meant to equip the servants of God for the battle. This is a table of provision for that battle. And the truth of the love of God can be so real and tangible that even, even hard-hearted men like me can believe it because we can see it and taste it and touch it. Praise him. If, let me give a warning. Uh, this table is for those who, who need a savior. If you think you're a good person, this is not your table. This table's for sinners. Uh, this table isn't for good people. And so uh, that's, that's called offense. Only those who, whose, whose hope is in Jesus are, are welcome here. But if your hope's in Jesus, you should hope for all things. <laughs> now, finally, it, some of you might be skeptics. You may have heard all this and gone, wow, um, you can get a master's degree and still believe in fairy tales. Now, you might think that. If you think that today, I welcome that. I welcome that challenge. Let's talk more because your view of the universe, I think, is deeply flawed and uh, incomplete. <sighs> but I'm hoping someday, if you're a skeptic, you're watching us and wanting what we got, because it's good. All right, so we're going to celebrate this here at the table. We're equipping ourselves by strong in the Lord. He loves sinners. Uh, and uh, we're going to do the mystery of faith, the Apostles' Creed. Come get the food, go back to your seat, sing a song, and we'll be done. All right, good. All right, please stand. Please stand. Um, you know, I've been doing this for like 26 years, but I'm so ADD, I still forget things. I still like completely forget what I'm doing. Will you proclaim to me the mystery of faith? Christ it says died. died. Christ, Christ has risen. risen. Christ, Christ will come again. Praise, Praise him. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Tell me, uh, brothers and sisters, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, maker of the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. 
we meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building. And we can't wait to see you. Oh